Hello and welcome back to another episode of What's Not Priced In. This is the second episode of the new season of 2024. Uh, obviously, Greg Canavan is not here with us today, but he will be back next week. But we've got someone who's an expert of experts. He's our resident commodities expert, and he is James Cooper, a trained geologist, and now he is the Fat Tales commodities expert who also runs the Diggers and Drillers Investment Advisory. Now, James, welcome to the show, and uh, hello and welcome, and just maybe you can introduce yourself to, to the viewers. Thanks, Carol. It's great to be here. Um, it's been a, been a long time. I think we yeah. uh, haven't done one of these sessions for... Um, I think it was about midway through last year, yeah. so it's great to be back. Um, looking forward to sort of being a regular uh, guest, maybe coming on every few months and just giving listeners a bit of an update on commodities yep. um, and, and the markets. Yep. Looking forward to it. Yep. And maybe what, what's, your, what's your background? So when people say you're a, you're a geologist, what does that really mean? Okay, so a geologist... Um, Basically, I think most people would understand that a geologist is focused on understanding the rocks. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so when we look at mining, uh, what is the main asset that that, that company holds? Yeah. It really is the geology, it's the rocks. Um, so what I try to bring is, is an understanding of the geology for the mining and exploration companies that, that my readers look at. Mm -hmm. uh, but we also look at the sort of broader macro picture um, and try to bring that into our sort of stock selection. Mm -hmm. Um, because that plays a really important role in commodities, um, whether it's the supply or the demand, um, geopolitics. So uh, a lot of different factors come into to our stock selection. Um, and uh, that's that's what we try to sort of convey with, mm. with our listeners and, and our readers. Yeah, I think definitely knowing knowing the rocks in depth is a, is a huge, huge asset in commodities investing because I think a lot of investors aren't actually as equipped to understand the actual uh, geology of the assets and if you do it really is a huge help but we've, i have a huge amount of stuff that i want to discuss with you today obviously commodities in general how commodities performed last year maybe your outlook for commodities in 2024 and then i want to maybe get your thoughts on certain commodities that have um obviously been popular in with investors recently and now obviously lithium last year a few years ago and currently obviously uranium uh, but maybe I, I was going to ask you about just briefly what your thoughts were on how commodities performed in 2023 and what you thought was maybe the biggest driver of commodity prices last year okay so um commodities if we look broadly it yep. was a pretty pretty poor year especially for the junior mining stocks mm -hmm. um if we and as with commodities we can't really um broadly state that mm -hmm. all commodities up all commodities are down there's always always outliers um of course we saw uranium as you mentioned mm -hmm. um which has really uh picked up and it's still still really um going strong into into the new year uh, of course, we saw the on the on the sort of other spectrum was lithium, which which had its uh, which had an absolutely bloodbath um, in in twenty twenty three, and that followed its major peak, which occurred in November twenty twenty two. So the very peak um, of of the lithium boom. 
Um, but then we look at sort of the more um, uh, other commodities mm-hmm. uh, sort of sitting on the edge, not not really booming, not really uh, falling away in 2023, and things like copper, yep. uh, gold, silver, um, all these commodities sitting around um, what I'd say still still sort of fairly elevated levels mm-hmm. in terms of prices, uh, historical prices are still well above their uh, cyclical lows from mm-hmm. 2016. Um, so I think moving forward, that puts them in a good position um, if we see some technical strength, maybe especially for gold breaking past its yep. uh, its all-time highs. Um, so we're still uh, sort of in that limbo limbo area and waiting for the gold to make its much-anticipated um, breakout. And I think when that happens, that will really sort of set the stage for for some of the more mainstream uh, base metals like uh, copper and aluminium to mm-hmm. to really follow suit as we sort of move into this uh, upswing in, in the commodity cycle. Yeah. Well, yeah, speaking of uh, the commodities outlook for the future, you recently wrote that um, 2024 could be a crucial year for commodities. And then you said, I quote, U.S. election, Chinese stimulus, rate cuts, weakening U.S. dollar, the rise of emerging market economies like India. Any one of these events could ignite the sector in 2024. And uh, I continue the quote. In fact, I believe the hazards holding back mining stocks reached a final culmination in October 2023, a major low in the market. Now, obviously, uh, briefly, uh, my question too is, you know, why do you think 2024 could be maybe elaborate on why 2024 could be a crucial year in your opinion yeah absolutely so um i think uh so a few a few things there so uh, i think if we looked at the u.s elections Mm -hmm. and why that could potentially um be a a bullish um, outcome for Mm -hmm. commodities in 2024 so one of the one of key reasons so we've looked at um uh, the u.s uh, india a number of countries i don't think I think that the Economist reported that 2024 is set to be uh, the biggest political year in in history, um, and and we think about what incumbent governments typically try to do uh, leading to an election. That's that's usually involves uh, big infrastructure plans announcements. Um, so that's that's quite bullish for some of the more industrial uh, metals like iron ore or aluminium or copper. Um, then we have the the other. Th- the big elephant in the room, which is um, China. Mm-hmm. And there's still this uh, big fixation on um, the property market uh, in China and, and weakness there. But um, manufacturing is, is still strong. Um, the industrial is still strong. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the, the latest figures point China growth at about 5.2% uh, for 2023. So it's it's still not it's still not meeting the the big uh, growth that we saw from in the early two thousands. But given the GDP is is much larger, um, I think that's still a solid growth outcome for for China. Um, so that that bodes well for yep. for iron ore and and copper. Um, and I think there's still the the possibility of a strong stimulus um, uh, announcement from China, especially to prop up that property sector. Uh, for the moment, uh, the, the Chinese Communist government has really just been um, announcing tidbits of um, stimulus, which uh, haven't really moved the market. Um, but if, if we did see a, a bit of a scare in its property market, that could actually bring a positive outcome in terms of um, a much larger 
a stimulus announcement. Yep. And I think you've you've briefly mentioned iron ore, and iron ore is is quite popular uh, on what's not priced in both Greg and frequent guest Callum Newman have have spoken about iron ore quite a bit. I think Callum is more positive on on iron ore than Greg. Obviously, in the in recent days, iron ore stocks have sort of sold off a little bit, and the iron ore price has come down a little bit as well. Um, what's your outlook on for iron ore in twenty twenty four and beyond? Are you are you sort of optimistic? Are you cautious, pessimistic? Yeah, I know a lot of analysts are, are predicting a top yeah. for iron yeah. ore, and and that makes sense. Um, just looking at the slow, slower than expected growth mm-hmm. in China, um, it's and the and it's especially in the property sector, it's difficult to see uh, where that potential growth is going to come yeah. from. Um, and of course, if we if we want higher prices, we need we need growth from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of a price collapse, I just don't see that coming. While um, China growth is still quite robust, yeah. bringing around sort of above five percent, um, and what we spoke about with industrial, um, I guess another elephant in the room for iron ore is is growth from India mm-hmm. and the Southeast Asian markets. Um, I think Rio Tinto recently flagged um, it sees. Uh, strong um, exports going to those markets mm-hmm. and that will drive uh, growth for iron ore demand in the years ahead. Mm-hmm. So as long as China stays steady um, and we see growth from from India and Southeast Asia, I think I think that bodes quite well for iron ore, which would um, probably go against the mainstream tide, which mm-hmm. um, is calling for, for an imminent iron ore collapse. Um, so I just don't see that happening. Yeah, well, that that's a nice quote there. You're not uh, you're not buying the uh, the hysteria there about iron ore. Well, you mentioned a price collapse. I th- I have to talk to you about the the price collapse in lithium. I think that's been a a big story in the small caps and mid cap sector for for a few years now. And um, maybe I'll, I'll maybe set the scene. I think a few years ago, and I think in November 2022, you wrote. A piece for Fatale Daily, um, and you describe lithium as a quote a one-hit wonder, and I think that proved quite prescient because you sort of um, you called it a one-hit wonder because obviously it's principally used in the manufacture of EV batteries, and simply you know obviously the case for lithium for years now has been you know it rested on the optimism on the of the uptake of EVs, and recently. The uptake of EVs is still strong, but not as strong as many have expected. And um, I think just last week it was reported that the share of electric vehicles sold in the UK actually stalled for the very first time in 2023. So EVs accounted for about 16.5% of all new vehicles sold in the UK last year. But the year before that, it was 16.6%. So market share isn't actually growing anymore. It's stalled. Uh, and I think the Financial Times reported that EV demand across the globe is sort of not growing as fast as many expected. Uh, and I think it's a, it sort of quoted some auto, automakers that said there's a quote slowing appetite for for EVs. Um, and uh, an interesting point was that I think now the market is sort of shifting from early adopters of EVs to more you know money conscious mass market consumers that you know really care about the price not necessarily whether uh, an ele- a vehicle is electric or ice um, and I know I'm rambling on but I'm just sort of setting this scene so that I can ask you some more questions about it so 
The 10 worst performing stocks of last year of 2023 on the all odds included three lithium stocks. So Lake Resources, Core Lithium and Sayona Mining. Um, I think Lake Resources just hit another 52 week low this this week. Uh, but the interesting one is Core Lithium. Um, it's not exactly a specy developer or a junior. It became a newly minted producer. Um, uh, but the realities of, of being a producer have hit core quite hard. So I think in, in January, it obviously famously or infamously announced to the market that it will suspend mining operations at the Finnis lithium mine and just sort of continue stockpiling. Uh, or, and it, it said it would only recommence uh, mining when market conditions improve. Obviously, the question uh, is when will that happen? I think it also announced uh, some, some job cuts job cuts as well um well i'm really rambling on here but i've got some more so (laughs) and uh i think the question i'll have lots of questions for you but i think i wanted to mention as well that in late december of last year analysts at city released a research note uh, sort of assessing all of the aussie miners lithium miners along the cost curve and it found that um cause project wasn't actually the only one that isn't economical at current prices so i think lithium spodumin prices fell maybe over 80 percent in 2023 and have continued falling early this year and um, other projects in australia are currently uneconomical so my question to you is 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 this the bottom for lithium is is there you know are lithium stocks a contrarian buy right now or do they present a value trap? Uh, sort of, how do you assess the lithium sector right now, and what are your thoughts on it? I'll stop talking now. No problem. Yeah, so it is such a um, big question, I think, mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, lithium. So where where does it go? Um, I tend to think so. Not just lithium, but the the future facing metals. So lithium graphite, rare earths, um, you could throw cobalt, nickel mm. in there as well. Um, what what really hit them in 2023 was this rising cost of capital. Um, so projects becoming uh, much more expensive to develop, um, but also just the appetite for uh, renewables and green green technologies has really, and, and the demand for EVs has really shifted um, with the rising uh, interest rates. So um i think i think because we are going into sort of a, a more deflationary period into 2024 so potentially uh, lower lower interest rates um that could bode well for for these future facing metals mm-hmm. um including lithium uh so that's that's certainly something to keep on the radar mm-hmm. um if you're looking at getting into these stocks at, at much lower prices yep. um in terms of thanks for pointing out 2022 and and um so luckily i did steer readers clear of that Mm -hmm. major top in november uh, of 2022 unfortunately we did step into the lithium market by about midway through last Mm -hmm. year um thinking that perhaps we were near a bottom um of course this the sell-off continued uh continued hard all the way through to to the end of the year and it's still really underway yep um so it is difficult picking a bottom in this market it, it is a case of trying to catch that falling knife um so i think interest rates really do remain key just mm-hmm. just in terms of sen- sentiment going back to this 
to these sort of renewables and these expensive mega projects yeah. uh, that will require a lot of capital um, so so that the appetite has to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because of all this, I think people have started to look at, at um, the, the, the brown commodities, so mm-hmm. traditional forms of energy, which are energy dense and much cheaper. Um, so that's that's caused some researchers among those commodities in, in 2023. Um, so whether we see a shift between the green or mm-hmm. from the brown back to the green in, in 2024, I think is 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 going to be a really um, key uh, element of where this market could go over the coming years. Yep. And yes, maybe continue on, on with lithium. Were you surprised at just how at at the extent of the price collapse in the in the lithium market i think yeah as i said earlier lithium spodumene prices fell you know precipitously like 80 percent in 2023 and um i think maybe some some investors or viewers are probably thinking how you know how how was that possible what was the driving factor was it just that so much supply came online at the same time that no matter how much demand was there, the just supply just sort of swamped the market. Was that basically what happened? Yeah, definitely supply. And I think it happened quite early in the yeah. year, uh, 2023. So we actually saw um, a big bottom in, in Spodumoon and, yeah. and lithium carbonate prices in early 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, the, the producers and, and the explorers were, res- were pretty resilient. Mm-hmm. So this, the equity prices were holding up really well. Um, despite the spot price um, really falling, falling down. Um, so as as we moved further into the year, um, the spot price did did recover. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that sort of helped uh, a lot of the producers um, and developers um, stay buoyant. Yep. Um, of course, they weren't were, were coming off their peaks from 2022. Um, but the market has... Um, Sort of, I guess, uh, price these these equities more in line with with the underlying spot price. Um, some would argue that the producers still trade at a mm-hmm. premium um, to to the spot price, mm-hmm. um, which is probably one of the key reasons why we could see a bit more mm-hmm. um, selling pressure in earlier in this year. Um, so, until we see sort of a more a hom- harmonious mm-hmm. um, uh, match up between the, the equities and the underlying uh, price for lithium. Uh, we probably won't see see the major low mm-hmm. uh, for the sector. But when that happens, I think a recovery could certainly um, certainly happen quickly. Um, and that's probably when uh, investors would should um, sort of look at getting into that sector. Yeah, yep. I think uh, the, the next topic that I wanted to discuss, you've actually already uh, sort of alluded to, which was that uh, obviously, lithium wasn't the only sector that that floundered in in 2023. Like you said, other green energy transition metals didn't fare well either. Uh, and I've, yeah, so I think currently the the ten most shorted stocks on the ASX feature quite a lot um, of the green energy transition stocks. So. Uh, Pilbara Minerals is the most shorted stock at the moment with 21% short interest. Graphite Producer Cider Resources is second with 15% short interest. Core Lithium is third with 13%. Sayana Mining is fourth with 10%. And then making the rounding out the, the top 10 is Liontown Resources 
that's currently sitting at 9th with 8.4% short interest. And obviously today we're recording this at, on Thursday afternoon. Today was news that giant Albemarle sold its stake in Liontown Resource and that sort of sent Liontown Resource shares lower, much lower today. Uh, but clearly 2023 and the start of 2024 hasn't been a great year for green energy transition stocks after so much enthusiasm and optimism and I guess you could say hype in 2022 and maybe 2021 about renewables, green energy and transition. We need more nickel, we need more copper, we need more lithium, we need more cobalt. Uh, all those things could be true, but uh, as an investor that hasn't that thesis hasn't really worked out in 2023. Um, and I think recently you wrote that uh, quote, last year was a bloodbath for mining stocks tied to the green energy transition. But with markets rallying in the early part of 2024, green miners continue to lag. Unfortunately, that doesn't bode well for a sharp turnaround in 2020, 20, in 2024. So yeah, maybe I just wanted to get uh, more deeper thoughts from you on, on exactly what happened and why has that green thesis not really worked out. And obviously you've mentioned interest rates played, played a big role in that. Yeah, and I think they still will. Yeah. Um, and we look at look at the, the Federal Reserve in the US and tr even track that with what's happening in the lithium market. Mm -hmm. So late uh, late last year, we saw um, a bit of a recovery of sorts in some of the big producers for mm -hmm. lithium miners like um, uh, Alcom and, yeah. and Pilbara Minerals. So these stocks uh, recovered sort of 10, 15% quite quickly. Um, as the Federal Reserve um, announced these more dovish um, approaches for 2024, then we've seen the Federal Reserve sort of uh, reverse on on those uh, on that rhetoric and and turn a lot more hawkish, um, and now we're seeing this um, is another leg in the sharp sell down in, in lithium stocks. Um, so I, I really believe that the interest rates are going to play a critical role. Mm -hmm. Um, in the outlook for um, graphite lithium um, in in 2024, and I, I don't see any change to that. Um, yep. So, if we see interest rate cuts happen at some point, I think that would uh, would really um, bring this story back um, to the forefront from the brown commodities back mm -hmm. to the green. Um, so, I think that's the that's the key feature that investors have to look for. Um, in terms of what you might uh, look at mm -hmm. um, ahead of a potential recovery, um, I'd probably uh, stick with the producers. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps the, the companies that really um, dominate the full supply chain, yeah. so not just extraction, um, but also uh, the downstream mm -hmm. uh, processing of lithium, which is really important because yeah. uh, we think about uh, China, which dominates um, the downstream processing. Lithium, it doesn't dominate mining, but it does dominate uh, the supply of the yeah. final product for, for EV producers. Um, so looking at uh, the select few companies um, globally, which have this fully integrated um, uh, supply chain from mm -hmm. from extraction to, uh, to processing. Yeah, and I think also maybe focusing on low cost produce, I think the lowest cost producers is also maybe a a safer option there. I think I mentioned that city report that sort of assessed um, lithium producers on a cost curve and on current spot pricing, city analysts said that IGO is probably the only stock in its lithium company universe that's actually able to generate free cash flow at current prices. So 
that's something to to keep in mind and i think what what was interesting for me sort of when i was reading all of your all of your recent research was um the the emphasis you placed on interest rates obviously some investors may think oh i'm investing in commodities i mean i'm focusing on you know the ore in the ground why do i need to care about what the fed is doing or the reserve bank but you made a a good point why it matters and i think um I think you sort of wrote that in a high cost environment, traditional energies rain because they're much cheaper and there's better scale. And you call that obviously brown commodities. Um, And when things are more expensive and interest rates are high, cost of capital is higher, those cost intensive renewable projects are much harder to get off the ground and maybe interest in them wanes and uh, obviously interest in those stocks falls as well. But I think we're, we're sort of a bit of gloom and doom at the moment, uh, but there has been one uh, material that has done really well in, in the past few months. And that's sort of also associated with the, with the green future. And I'm obviously talking about uranium, so I wanna get your thoughts uh, on that. In, uh, I think this week, uranium is now at a, sitting at a 16 year high. I think uranium futures topped US 100 a pound this week. Uh, I think for context, in 2007, the price of uranium peaked at an all-time high of about US 150 a pound. So we're approaching those areas now. And I think the AFI reported um, yesterday that all five, all top five uh, performing stocks on the all odds so far this year have all been uranium stocks. That just goes to show uh, the performance there. So. I've got a few questions on uranium for you, but maybe we'll start with a with a uh, controversial one. So, do you see uranium prices reaching all time highs in twenty twenty four? Why and why not? Yeah, sure. So, uh, absolutely. So, um, it, it's certainly possible. There's, I guess, a, definitely a sense of euphoria hitting the market. Yeah. Um, so, um, is it? for the trend followers for the traders i think um that could certainly push um uranium in mm-hmm. past its all-time highs um it's already breached its fukushima yep. pre-fukushima uh peak uh from 2011. uh so of course the, there's the next next major leg up to to break into all-time new highs mm-hmm. um and given the sentiment at the moment i think that's it's definitely possible um so i don't know if if as a long-term investor if that's really a sensible approach um it's perhaps more just for the short-term trader um, that would be looking at uranium um as a as a potential potential trade in Mm -hmm. in this market yep so you you see it more of a trade rather than a long-term investment and um so so in your view is the current rally unsustainable are you maybe expecting a normalization in 2024 and 2025 I just, um, I just think there's a number of factors yep. um, which make uranium. Um, uh, now, I do like the story. So mm-hmm. nuclear, I think, is is a great story. Um, I think because it's a base load form of mm-hmm. um, renewable energy, yep. um, it's become a lot more accepted um, against the the high cost of capital, high um, high interest rate environment that we've had in 2023. Uh, so it's it's becoming more mainstream, more mm-hmm. accepted. Um, I think it will be a really important part of the energy mix in the future. Yep. In terms of um, uranium and where it sits um, in meeting meeting that 
um, uh, sort of future. Um, as a commodity, uranium is, is not actually that rare in the Earth's crust. There, there are a number of um, major deposits that, yeah. that we do know about. Um, there's, there's some big deposits in, in Western Australia, for example. Yeah. Um, but these, these haven't been mined yet based on um, state laws which, which prevent uh, uranium mining in, in Western Australia. Um, but if we see price pressure, um, so the incentive is, is certainly getting there for, for states to sort of back down um, on, on their policies. Yep. Um, so that could potentially open up a, a lot of a supply for um, the uranium deposits that mm -hmm. we know sit in the ground. Um, there's also another, another uh, several other factors which um, could also um, bring more supply online in the years ahead, which uh, I think we'll touch on further on. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, I was I was going to ask. Um, obviously, I think part part of the reason why um, uranium prices have surged in recent months was because the the world's largest uranium miner, Kazatomprom. I hope I pronounced that correctly. It's the the, the biggest uh, uranium miner in Kazakhstan. It sort of warned that it's likely to fall short of its production targets over the next two years, and I think it um, produced about twenty five to twenty seven percent of the global uranium output. So clearly, if it says that its production is going to be curbed, that's going to have a, a material effect on on supply. And if demand either stays the same or shifts higher from here obviously that's probably going to put pressure on prices but the question obviously is how much how sustainable that is you know what happens if um, the gas atom proms obvious production what if it was too pessimistic and then obviously says you know we actually can produce uh, the right amount and obviously the question i have for you is how elastic is the supply of uranium so with prices now rising I think maybe some marginal producers right now can be like, oh, hey, we can maybe now come online or other producers can be like, okay, we can expand our production now. So how sustainable is this current high price and will it maybe incentivize more supply and therefore put the price in, in balance again? Yeah, so I guess over the shorter term, that certainly could put um, some pressure mm -hmm. uh, with with this, this mine. I won't try to pronounce it. Good on you for... For pronouncing that company's name, um, but I think that could bring on some short-term supply issues um, because, say, these deposits that we talked about in Western Australia, which could be tapped into, that's that's looking at a at least a ten or fifteen years of actually putting those into production. Um, but what the the big decade-long bear market mm -hmm. in uranium stocks did for the market uh, was put a lot of producers onto care and maintenance. Yep. Um, so around the world, we've got uh, uranium miners that are, are sitting on a lot of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's in Namibia, there's Honeymoon in South Australia, there's, there's some in Malawi in Canada. And so we've got a lot of uh, mining companies um, that have sat on care and maintenance yeah. for, for around a decade following the Fukushima uh, price decline. Um, so that means... The, um, the infrastructure in place, we've got all the drilling, all the resource known. Uh, so putting those uh, projects back online won't won't really uh, take take too much time. Maybe one to two years to, to put some of these um, these big deposits back back into the into the feedstock, yep. the global feedstock. So 
um, that's that's probably dampening the the longer term outlook for for uranium prices. Um, just it, it is unique in that sense because it has gone through such a a, a terrible bear market that you've got um, a large uh, supply of companies which could potentially uh, come online with um, with more supply. Yeah, and I think also, and I'm now sort of picking up. This, this sentiment that people that were once interested in, in speculative lithium stocks are sort of dumping that and now becoming more interested in uranium. So do you think there's a, maybe a risk of uranium uh, sort of emulating lithium's boom and bust cycle that we've just seen playing out in recent years? Is there a danger for investors? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah I, absolutely. I think, I think there's a good... Um, good uh, comparison you can draw from there. So whether uranium is at where lithium was back in November 2022, I, I don't know. I think I think the story is still still really good, mm -hmm. especially for nuclear. Mm -hmm. uh, um, saying that too, I think the lithium story is, is good long term as well. Um, I just think you're right that the market, the sentiment is, is really driving mm -hmm. um, prices at the moment. But in terms of um, supply, uh, uranium is just just doesn't hold some of the the, the sort of scarcity factors that yeah. you see for, for certain other commodities, and that that's because uh, it is relatively abundant. Mm -hmm. um, you do have these uh, old uh, mines which yeah. which could come online, and you do have uh, known deposits in in states in Australia, um, which uh, which could could really uh, boost supply. Um, and Australia is is a major. It, it holds about twenty eight percent of mm -hmm. of the global resource for uranium. So it, it can really have a material uh, impact on on future supplies. So um, I think as 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 pri if prices stay elevated, mm -hmm. um, I think that will um, will really drive drive more more yeah. uh, stock onto the market. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if we've got time. I'll, I'll just sort of relay a story from my time back with equinox as yeah, well we always which... have time for a story okay so um back in 2010 um what we used to do so we, we i worked for equinox and we had a, a big copper mine in zambia um and a, a problem with that mine was that there was a lot of uranium mineralization which would actually contaminate the copper um and what we used to do was stockpile uh, this this uranium um, virtually next to the waste dump um, just sat there for potentially high prices in the future and and um, uranium mineralization is actually quite common in base metal mines though so it wasn't just equinox it's it's a lot of mines around the world that that have this um, stockpile yep. ore which could potentially um, be be added into the to the future feedstock uh, so it, it is not not really a rare commodity and that's mm -hmm. that's um that's why i would be a little bit cautious mm -hmm. um where the market sits right now if if we see a sharp pullback um i'd certainly be interested in, in uranium yeah. um, just based on on the long-term story and and where um uh, the importance of nuclear and mm -hmm. in uh in our global energy needs yeah well wow that's that's a nice story because i think it's what's not priced in watch out for those uh stockpiles sitting around that might come online uh that yeah that's great but 
I think I've I've talked a lot, and I think maybe <laughs> we're, you, you're you're tired of hearing me talking. So I've got maybe one final question for you. You've mentioned scarcity factors. And I think um, you've you've spoken about scarcity and how important it, it is um, in commodity investing. So I want maybe fi- want to get your final thoughts on what your maybe uh, favorite commodity or commodities that you're looking at in 2024 in terms of the scarcity factors because you've mentioned that. Obviously, uranium isn't exactly um, scarce. Neither, for example, is is lithium. They're both quite abundant. So, in terms of the scarcity factors, what is your sort of favorite commodity? Yeah, I mean, we can always look at precious metals. So yeah. um, they're always going to be scarce. So gold and silver. Um, and I think, especially when we talk about the where gold sits now, mm-hmm. it's it's in a very uh, technically strong position, just yep. just below its all time highs. Uh, so that could bode really well for 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the more mainstream common metals, uh, base metals, so I, I, I still hang on to the, the copper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still very, uh, it has a great story in terms of um, lack of supply coming out of, of Chile with yep. uh, Cadelco, just uh, the largest copper miner, state-owned copper miner. It just announced uh, more supply cuts from its operations in Chile uh, and it has it has it is a major uh, supplier for copper. Uh, we also saw the um, the closure of the uh, copper mine in Panama, which uh, provides around one percent mm-hmm. of of the global supply. Um, so it's why we've seen uh, the accepted uh, analyst uh, consensus that copper uh, is going to go into deficit mm-hmm. in twenty twenty four. Previously, it was projected to be in surplus. Yep. Um, so in terms of scarcity, I don't think you can go past uh, copper or precious metals. Yep. Um, and I think that holds the, the, the long-term theme of where you, where you should be parking, uh, your sort of investments, um, in commodities is, is those types of, um, metals where we don't have, mm. um, a known supply coming, coming through. And if we add the demand factors in that, that really just, um, that's another element. Yeah, great. Well, I think with that, we will wrap up. But uh, speaking of copper, you've obviously released quite a lot of very interesting research. So if, um, if if anyone is interested in reading that more, you can check out James Cooper's writing, maybe at Fatel Daily, also Livewire Markets, and obviously his, his service at Diggers and Drillers. But James, it was a really nice chat. We've had some technical difficulties getting you online today, but it was well worth the wait. And um, hopefully... We'll have you on the show plenty more times in the future. Look forward to it. Thanks very much, Carol. Awesome. See you Speak later. Again, sir.